You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Well, good morning, Cathedral. Happy Sunday to y'all. It's great to be here with you. Did, did anybody feel like that was a competition right there, just a little bit, to see who could get the umbrella? I was like, wait to see who was going to be the first one to get the umbrellas up. Man, it's great to be up here with you. Um, you guys have just, can I just tell you, it's, it's a privilege to get to do what we get to do every weekend. Uh, and, I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Uh, we have some phenomenal people in this church and I love hearing stories like that, um, but there's so many stories that are sitting in these chairs, uh, and it's just absolutely incredible. So thank you, just honestly, for just being a great church. Keep doing what you're doing and keep chasing after God. Is that a deal? We'll keep doing that? All right, am I pinging really bad to y'all? Does it sound like I'm pinging? I sound normal? All right, sounds good. Let's roll. I can sound weird to myself. That's okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, here's what I want to do. You see, over the, the, the summer, I've been able to express a couple different topics, and I explained this past week, but you've been able to hear some messages that have been very hot and heavy uh, on the hearts of the pastors here. I've given you a couple different um, topics, many important biblical topics uh, that we've been able to explore. The feedback from you guys has been absolutely just incredible of not only just the understanding, but what I love about this is that word that I gave of there's, there's a difference between between having knowledge and understanding, but actually having wisdom that goes along with that, which the, the wisdom part of that whole process is not just hearing the words that we say on the stage. It's not just reading the words that you read in scripture, but it's actually the application of it. That is wisdom. It's the action applied to what scripture says. And y'all's feedback has been absolutely incredible of how you've been able to apply these kind of principles into your life. And we've talked about, at least for, for me, I've been able to give you just the importance of what the word is. The importance of exactly what BH said, which is when we hear those words, it is it's the truth. He's the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow. It's the importance of the word, the instruction that it plays in our life. Then later on in the summer, we were able to transition, and I was talking about prayer and just the importance that our culture uh, goes quickly to respond in their own way, but yet us as believers, we're called to have a pray first mentality, that the first person that I run to is God himself. It's the very tool that he gives us uh, to be able to communicate with him and just the importance of that. Uh, last week, we were to talk about just worship and how do we have just a level of worship operating in our life that is just, it's different than what we even see in our churches today. Rather, it's a biblical understanding, a biblical view, a look of what worship looks like. We had that big gulp worship, right? Come on, let's go. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to explore a topic that is, what I say is, is, is extremely important to every single one of us. Now, th this is a topic that has been raised up really kind of all throughout the summer uh, in various different ways. And so it, it kind of kept popping up in, inside of my spirit of maybe we need, we need to bring this back as, as one of the topics. We don't talk about it uh, a terrible amount, but th this is a topic that for some folks, they're completely consumed by it. Like their every day is consumed by it. Y'all got the topic in your head? You know what we're talking about this weekend? Okay. Well... The thing that I want to talk about is, is, well, actually, Jesus, in fact, if I can build the case for this, actually talked about this more than heaven. 
he, he actually talked about this topic more than hell in, in the Bible. In fact, he actually talked about this topic more than sex or the combination of all three of them. It's an important topic. Jesus is saying, hey, this topic is very important. I want to make sure you understand this. Okay? You got the topic? You know what it is? All right. All the guys in here are like, well, I hope it's the third one. That would be awesome. Especially the whole part about being completely consumed. I can get down with that. Let's go, all right? All right, here's the topic that I want to talk to you today about, which is money. Oh. You sure you don't want to go back to the third topic? Because I'm pretty sure I was on board for that one, right? Now, I want to talk about money because, and here's the reason why. Because when we have a biblical understanding of, of money, y'all, y'all, we can face each day. We can face each situation. We can face every season that gets thrown at us. We can uh, face every single economy. And, and not only can we face it, but there's a certain kind of an attitude that we can face all of those different areas of our life with is that we can face it with confidence. We can face it with boldness. And that's what I want for every single one of us. You see, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to know that our, our wallets are feeling some strain these days. Okay? Let's just say that you make $50,000 a year. That is your income that you make. That same $50,000 uh, since COVID now feels like $40,000. That's a big difference. That's a lot of stress that's going on. Believe me, I talked to a lot of you folks, and the, probably I would say the number one thing that is stressing you guys right now is that financial stress that we all feel. I mean, believe me, I'm wondering how many corn dogs do my kids really need to eat this week? Right? Corn dogs, if you haven't been on that aisle, inflation's hitting the corn dogs a little bit more than some of the other areas. That's all I'm saying. We had to cut back. We're fasting this week from corn dogs in the Ammon household, all right? But money's a big deal to Jesus. It's a big deal to Jesus. And, and I want to bring up a few scriptures because it's interesting. I want you to listen to what Jesus says. And I'm going to give you a bunch of different scriptures but there must be something potentially really dangerous about money. Let me tell you, let me show you what he says in Matthew chapter 19. He says, Jesus says to his disciples, he's, he's talking to his disciples, he's having a conversation, and he says, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier, this is just crazy. I mean, I can't even visually grasp this. That it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Hmm. Flip back a couple of chapters in Matthew chapter 6, it says this about money. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust can destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. But rather, do something different. I want you to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this is the line that you would want to highlight. This is the line that you would want to underline in your, in your Bible. Put it on your mirror because it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We'll come back to that. But I want you to remember, last week when we were talking about, last week we talked about how God is, is scanning the globe. And what is he looking for? He's looking for the heart of that worshiper, right? The heart that worship. He wants 
to grow us. He wants to lead us. He wants to envision us and give us a vision for our life that is way greater than what we can come up with on our own. That's the God that we serve. That's the, the relational side of who he is. He wants to enhance our capacity. Scripture says that he wants to enlarge our territories. Okay, so which one is it, David? Is, is, is money bad or is, is money good? That's what I want to explore today, and I think by the end of today, you'll have a good answer for that. Now, before we get into it too long, I know summer's kind of coming to an end. I saw y'all were a little stiff. Let's do some stretching. Everybody put your arms out. Knock your neighbor. Oh, oops, sorry. Sorry about that. Knock your other neighbor. Oh, happy Sunday. All right, all right, everybody. All right, everybody's good? Whew, all right. All right, everybody put your arms out. We're going thumbs down. Thumbs down. Everybody got thumbs down? Now we're going to cross over. We're going to interlock the fingers. Oh, this is going to get a stretch. Okay, everybody's doing this? Everybody's doing this, right? right come on, balcony. You got to put it up. Yeah, there you go. All right, we're thumbs down, right? We're interlocked. On the count of three, what I want us to do is we're going to unlock our arms, keep our fingers together, but simply twist our arms. On the count of three, one, two. Why y'all having trouble? What's... Well, Y'all miss that? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start out talking. Y'all still struggling with that. Y'all want to know how we did that. Y'all want to know what happened right there. You see, I want to talk. I want to start this whole talk around the, the, the thought process of deception. So y'all thought I was being very nice and giving y'all very good instructions. What y'all didn't know is while I was distracting y'all and getting the balcony included, I actually turned my hand the other way. I deceived you in thinking I was giving you instruction. But now, when y'all are sitting there trying to figure out what the guy is going on, I'm just, what, what's wrong? I've done deceived you, right? You see, this is exactly what the enemy does in every single one of our lives. He does the same thing every single day in every single life, and in every single generation. He was put here. He deceived. He tried to deceive God, failed miserably at it. He still ticked at God, and he's trying to deceive every single one of us. That's what everyday life is looking like. He wants to deceive, and this is the classic difference between good. This side is going to represent good. This side is going to represent evil. Notice that they look very similar. Because isn't it interesting that most of the time in our life, it's hard to discern between the two. This is the classic difference between God in our life and evil in our life, Satan in our life. Okay, th this is a good description of that verse that so many of us say, whether it's on stage or you, you may post it on Facebook or whatever the case may be. But this is the difference between John 10.10. 10. What does the thief come to do? He comes to steal, to kill, and to what? Destroy. But Satan says, no, 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 that's, that's, not, that's not the deal. Don't succumb to that. There's so much deception in a phrase like that. No, see, see I've, I've come that you may have life. I, I, I've got a different story for your life to be written. Oh, I, I've got a purpose and a plan for your future. You don't need to be bound by what's been binding you your entire life. No, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Now, this process between steal, kill, and destroy and life to the full can look a lot different in all of our lives. For some of us, it's depression. For some of us, it might be anxiety or fear or the combination of all three. And the way that that looks is Satan says, I don't want you to have life to the full. I want to deceive you to and have all these different things that overwhelms you that surely my life can never be this good. 
And obviously he keeps on doing because he wants to destroy that there's any hope of ever coming out from under that oppression. And honestly, his ultimate goal is to say, I want you gone from this earth. If I can get you to spin all three of those things around and, and, and get the spirit of suicide on the inside of you, oh, my greatest desire would not only be to steal from you, not only be destroyed from you, I want to kill you. Okay? Now, this can play out in other areas as well. This, this is uh, uh, the common deception of what lust plays in our life. And it's not even just a guy thing anymore. This is coming full circle for, for both male and female. We're seeing it across our land like crazy. This whole deception, oh, it's just a temporary fix. Oh, it's just this little thing. You can engage in it. You'll be just fine. The deception says, no, no, no. I'm, I'm getting ready to steal what a quality relationship looks like. The fact is, if you continue to gauge in this, I'm actually going to go so far as I'm going to destroy the ability to ever have a true relationship because you're going to be so addicted to so many other things that isn't based off of a biblical model. And ultimately, I'm going to kill the ability to ever really have a healthy marriage. It starts off small. It's just one little thing, right? It's just still kill and destroy. The same principle applies to our finances. It applies to our, 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 our money, okay? And, and the enemy desperately does not want us to understand this topic because he understands the power that it plays in our lives, whether it be good or whether it be bad, okay? I want you to look at Luke chapter 16 to really begin to see this contrast that I'm talking about. Here's what it says. It says, he who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. But he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust also in much. And so we see this contrast. If you can't handle the little, there's no way you can handle the more. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you your trust, the true riches... And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? You see this constant back and forth. And then he gives us this, this unreal line. He says, no servant can serve two masters. Jesus is stating in Luke's gospel that you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't have this middle ground. There is no middle ground, meaning there is no in-between. We are either participating in this or we are participating on this side. There's no middle ground. We're either here or we're here. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. Here's the line that I would like for you to underline to highlight. This is the important one for every single one of us to get this morning. You cannot serve God and mammon. It cannot happen. So today, what I want to explore is the difference between being under God's umbrella... Because I would be willing to say that's the very reason why every single one of us are here. We want our life to be under the umbrella that God has for us. Are we all on the same page on that? Okay. Versus what it looks like under the spirit of mammon. Under the world's way of doing things. 
Mammon in the Bible is actually only mentioned four times, um, and you just witnessed two of them. The other one, there's one in Genesis and one in the book of, of Matthew. And so we already have a pretty good understanding of what the entire Bible says about this whole mammon principle. Mammon translates into English as a simple phrase. It just means deceitful riches, deceitful riches. And I want to make that, that statement kind of come alive a little bit more. Is there anything wrong with money? Hey, hand me a piece of paper, any, any random paper. Hand me, hand me your notes from, yeah, that's great. What is the difference between this piece of paper right here and this piece of paper? Exactly. We have deemed in society that this paper is worth about one penny. That's how much we bought it for, right? This piece of paper is worth $10. As a society, we have put that this has more value than this piece of paper. But there is nothing inherently wrong with this piece of paper, okay? Let's explore this a little bit more. Thank you, Jen. Now, what happens is money is just simply that. It's, it's money. But what money does do is it takes on the spirit of the one who holds it. If this money is under God's umbrella, I'm abiding by his principles. I want to have my money under the, what the Bible teaches. It has a biblical foundation. I'm abiding by what the word says, which the word says that I need to tithe. I give that 10% to the, to the Lord. I'm also uh, trying to live within my means. I'm not going above and, uh, and blowing my budget all over the place. I'm being a good steward of my money, right? Now, the, the other part, there's a character in a, in, a, in a disposition that this looks like. When I'm under the umbrella of God, there's this thing that happens that I begin to become more others-focused. It's not just about me. And, and the, the picture that I want you to get is on this side and under God's umbrella, our hand is open, signifying, hey, okay, God, hey, I want you, when you speak to me, when I feel this on the inside, I, I want to be, be a conduit for you. When, when there's ways that I can get a return on investment for your kingdom, I want you to know I'm available. You all know there's a big difference between a return on investment in the natural and an eternal reward on investment, right? Big difference. One, sure, there's, there's rewards on both sides. We just have to understand that they're, what the rewards are. And there's nothing wrong with it sometimes that we get a reward here on earth. I invest in something, I receive money back. That's my reward. However, that verse very describes, make sure that your, true, your riches are not destroyed by moth, that they can't be stolen. There's an eternal reward in heaven that will happen one day. Okay, so y'all get a picture of the spirit that's on this money, correct? Okay. Now we go over here. And it's a little bit different. Now, mammon originates from a story out of Genesis chapter 11. It comes from a story talking about the Tower of Babel, if you've ever heard about the Tower of Babel. And here's essentially what they were saying. God, I don't need you. We're talented enough. We can do this on our own. We don't need to rely on you. We are going to do this on our own. I don't need to abide by your principles. I can do a lot better with the 100% that I have in my pocket versus the 90% that you're trying to convince me of. The, the, this deception happens pretty quickly. The, the, the spirit that's on this side, as opposed to being an open conduit for what God wants to do in our life, it's a closed fist. 
it's a me, myself, and I fist. The moment that we get a, that this operates, it's like, oh, no, 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 you, what about that thing over there that you need? There's no way you can do that and get all the stuff that you want. No, this is closed fist mentality. It's not a others focused. It's a, it's a me, myself, and I focused. And, and a lot of times this sounds like no matter whether you're making 20000 or 200000 I just need a little bit more. If I could just get a little bit more, I could go to the next level of what I, what I really want to do. It has that kind of a spirit on it. Okay, so now that we have this foundation, I believe it's easy to see what we're actually talking about this morning really isn't a money issue, it's a heart issue. I have two major things that I really want to bring up to you this morning, the first of which that we're going to explore is this heart issue in mind. In fact, we already read one of the verses, this is Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 21, that's where it said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you notice the order in the language there? It wasn't that your heart is somewhere, oh, and then your treasure follows. Your treasure is doing the leading. The treasure goes first, and then your heart follows. Big difference there. Now, let me give you a few additional examples for us to understand what this statement in Matthew chapter 6 is really saying. If you want a great marriage... If you want your heart in your marriage, you will also put your treasure there. Your treasure will lead the way. Well, what does that look like, Dave? Well, it looks like I invest in, in, in books around marriage. And it looks like I may go to a retreat on a weekend because I'm invested in making my marriage successful. I may go a step further and say, you know what? My time with you, time with my spouse is so important. I want to set a time, a day, a week, where I can look at your face. Me and you can connect. I want to see how we're doing. We have this date night every single week. My treasure there, my heart begins to follow. Does that make sense? Okay. Let, let's, let's play it to the kingdom of God. Some of you guys are in here who just would love to see the kingdom of God advance around the world. And let's just say missions is your thing. Now, even within missions, there's a lot of different people out here. Some of you guys are, are way more interested in local missions. Now, you're going to want to know all about what's going on, what's happening right here in North Charleston. You begin to invest in different areas. You begin to invest in things that we're a part of. You begin to invest in, I want to make a difference right here locally where your treasure is, now you become very interested in those topics. If you're saying, so you know what, that's not my deal, I'm more on global missions, right? I want to see what's going on in the world. You, you, I want to know exactly what's happening over in Sri Lanka. I want to invest in their orphanages. I want to do all this kind of stuff. Where your treasure is, now your heart will follow. Hey, I want to, can you give me a report? I really want to know. I want to make sure that my dollars are, are making a value and an impact in this world. Where my treasure is, my heart will begin to follow. Let me say it this way, which I think it'll make it a little bit more easy for us. Whatever it is that you invest in, call it stocks, gold, a lot of people do gold, Airbnbs are on the rise. Whatever you invest in, where your treasure is, their heart, your heart will be off. You've never looked at that stock a day in your life until you put your money there. You put your money in stock, and all of a sudden now I'm checking my phone every single week. What's that business doing? I want to, every day I'm checking. Every week I'm checking. Oh, they're messing up their business. I don't know about this. Because your treasure's there. Are we, are we tracking? Okay. Where our treasure is, your heart. Okay, so it's a heart thing. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 15 because it gives us this great picture of the relationship between generosity and in our heart. Three quick verses. Verse number nine, it starts off and says this. Beware 
lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, already we're seeing it's a heart issue, okay, saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. Okay, what this is talking about is every seven years you have the year of jubilee. And what that did is they, they focused on three main things. The first thing is personal liberty. The second thing is uh, a release from basic property. Your, your, your debts would be forgiven. And the third thing would be is they, you could kind of categorize this as like a simple life, which basically means they, they took a break from all of their heavy workloads. They Basically, what they're saying in this is, I want a life that is communicating, hey, I'm relying on God. You know, so they wouldn't work the land. They would just take from whatever the land just produced that year without working the fields, okay? So those are the three major things. That's what's happening um, in this. And it says, during this time period, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. So there's, there's this behavior that God is identifying here in this verse that not only is it wrong, but he's communicating saying, hey, it's also sin what you're doing. And so what I want to point out to you, one of the first things out of the gates that we have to be aware of, of this, this mammon spirit and what it comes across of that's attached to, to the deception that the enemy plays in, in our lives and in our mind is a selfish heart. It's a selfish heart. See, when Macy and I first started dating, um, I thought that everybody ate the same way. You see, when I go to eat, I clearly already know in my head I'm going to eat that whole plate. Maybe even two. Macy would get done a little quicker. And by the time I was getting done with my meal, she all of a sudden got hungry again and would take my last bite. Now, the way that I work in eating, I already know I'm eating the whole thing. So I'm starting with the worst bite on the plate, and I'm ending with the best bite on the plate. And here Macy would scoop right on in and take that last great bite that I've been waiting the whole meal for. I'm going to tell you right now, it has selfish heart. How did, how did to deal with this one? Come to find out, she didn't even have a clue. She starts off with the best bite. Blew my mind, right? But we have this selfish heart. Out of the gates we see in, in this, by the way, we've worked the details out, I I, I, I scoot those to another plate, and she doesn't have access anymore. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. But we see this deception already kind of playing in, and your eye be evil against your plate, and you give him nothing. It's this selfish heart that is something that we're going to have to deal with as it pertains to the relationship between generosity and our heart. Okay, verse number 10. You shall surely give to him, and your heart, again, we see this as a heart Issue. Do you see this common theme coming up so many times? And your heart should not be grieved. Everybody say grieved. When you give to him. So there's a condition of when you give, I don't want you to give begrudging. I don't want you to give. Your heart should not be grieved. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all of your works in which you have put your hand to. How many of you guys, raise your hand if you have ever bought something and immediately regretted it? Yeah, I had that this past, like, two weeks ago. Um, it's been 142 degrees outside, right? So I called my AC guy, and I was like, listen, my house is hot. Like, as hard as I can push this thing, I can't get it below, like, 76. I mean, it's, it's, that's hot. And so he's like, brother, your AC is fine. It's 142 degrees out. You have four boys that open the door constantly. Like, it's working as hard as you can. And so, I'm, you know, Google heard me, so it starts giving me all these ads for, like, different AC things, you know? <laughs> 
And so I think the enemy knew that I was in vulnerable territory. I was studying for one of the messages, and this ad kept coming up for different things uh, where this engineer in Texas had the same situation that I did. His AC just couldn't keep up, and he had a mom in his house that just, he just needed to cool. So as the engineer mind that he had, he reverse engineered this whole thing and came up with this AC system that took the pressure off. Matter of fact, if your power went out, it would do your whole house. Bye. Got it. Now, I got it in the mail, and y'all, if y'all saw it, y'all, y'all would, and it was completely justified. Y'all would so make fun of this purchase. I mean, they came out like this big. And the, the, the method of cooling was from water. <laughs> it blew a fan over water. And if you really wanted to get to, uh, with it, you, you, they gave you this like, thing where you could put it in the freezer that would last all of a minute and 30 seconds. You would put it in there, and I'm like, how is this going to heat my whole house? So I immediately packed. I, I regretted what I bought, okay? I, I sent it back, got my money back. We're good to go now. But I know we've all bought, and we've had some buyer's remorse. But this is exactly what the enemy does the moment we try to align ourselves with God. The moment we say, okay, God, I'm submitting my finances under your umbrella, under your covering, this, this grieved feeling comes onto the inside of us, deceiving you and thinking, oh, you just did the wrong thing. You done messed up big time. You already gave it. It's gone. You messed up. It ain't going to work out. Okay, so get this. In the first two verses, here's what we see. We see Satan's tactics in our life. Before we give, Satan's tactic is greed, close fist. The second tactic that we see Satan do is after we give. So he, he gets us before we give, and then after we give, we're like, oh, you messed up. Get this grieving heart going on. You see the tactics, the level of deception that Satan plays in our life around this, around this, this mammon kind of spirit. All right, verse number 11. He says, for the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand. There it is again. This is the instruction. Open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. Okay, in this, in this, he, he, the, these three verses, he shows us quickly, hey, don't be dominated by these emotions when it comes to giving, when it comes to generosity. Don't be consumed by grief and greed. Rather, I want you to have a wide open hand. I want you to have a heart that is generous. I want you to have a heart that is grateful. Or like what 2 Corinthians verse, or chapter 9 says, he says, if you're going to give, give with a cheerful heart. There's this heart condition he actually confirms this a few verses later uh, in the same chapter. It's a different analogy, but he's doubling down on this topic for us. Anytime God doubles down on something, you know it's important to him, right? Here's what it says just a few verses later. It says, you shall supply him liberally, this generous mindset from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Can I remind you, you came from nothing, and I brought you all the way through. I will sustain you, whether it's slavery or whether it's your finances. Therefore, I command you of this thing today. So the first thing we see is it's a heart thing. The second thing we see is it's a test. Every single time you and I get paid, it's a test. Okay, raise your hand in here if you get paid once uh, every week. Okay, every weekers. Okay, 
Uh, this will be the majority of us. How many get paid every other week? Okay, I'm in this group. How many get paid once a month? Okay, every single time that we get paid, we receive that check in our hand or in our bank account, it's a test. Now, this test comes with one question and two possible answers. Here's the question. The question is, is who are we going to thank? Who are we going to rely on? Who are we going to give credit for our income? Are we going to give that to God, or are we going to give that to mammon? Now, the crazy thing is that many believers don't even know that there's a test. I can prove it to you statistically. There's a lot of stuff out there of how many people give, all this kind of stuff. I think the majority, what was the thing that we were talking about this past week? The majority of giving is outside the church. It's like 67% or something like that. It's crazy. You see, God set up something very specifically. He, he said, whatever or whoever gets the first 10% of our income is what we think. It is what we rely on. It's who we give credit to. Am I giving that to God? Am I giving it to mammon? Am I saying, God, you provided this? Or, uh, no, 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 my mortgage is speaking louder. I got to keep this house. I gotta, it's the first thing I want. No, no, no. Is it God in our life? Is it Visa in our life? There's this contrast. God set aside the first 10% to support his house, meaning the church. Now, let me be very clear. God does not need our money. He created light. He's the God who Psalms describes as having cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, he, his streets are made of gold, not asphalt, gold. Not concrete, gold. And under that gold street is a foundation that's made of precious stones, right? He, he, he's the one who sends manna from heaven, water from a rock for his people. I mean, do I need to go on? I think you get the picture. God doesn't need our money. God's not up in heaven going, 37, 38, 30. Hey, boys, we get to keep the lights on this week. Come on. No. He doesn't need that. But God is establishing a test, this tithing principle to produce faith in the hearts and in the lives of his believers. Okay? Now, let me show you where this test comes from in the Bible and what happens when we do this. Because it tells us the reason and what our motivation needs to be. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page and understand what the Bible says. And let me just give you a spoiler alert. It's not just about money. Actually, let me say it this way. Don't let your motivation of giving, of doing this tithing thing, don't let your motivation that you give to get. Because I want to refer you back to the first point that we had. It's a heart thing. And, and if, if we're giving to get, we're going right back to the same principle of greed is leading our way. Okay, it's not a give to get principle. Okay, but let, let's let the Bible show us what our motivation. This is Malachi um, chapter three, and this is the most popular verse that you hear people preach on all the time. And it says this: It says, "For I am the Lord; I do not change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and I'm going to be the same person tomorrow. I do not change." And when I read this verse, this is the thing that kind of popped in my mind because you get people all the time who say, "Oh, well, tithing is just an Old Testament principle. That's just one of those old laws. We don't have to do that anymore." Out of the, now, this passage is about money, and the first thing that God wants to say as it pertains to money is a reminder to us, hey, I am the Lord your God, and I do not change. That was a big deal. 
Matter of fact, I can make it easy for you. If you just want to say it's law, A, it's not a law. I'll show that to you in just a second. But 500 years before the law even came, they were talking about tithing with Melchizedek. Okay? So it's just a misconception. It's a deception that the enemy wants to play, not only in our land, but in our churches. Okay? For I am the Lord your God. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. Aren't you glad that God doesn't change and that his mercies are always good to us? I don't know about you, but I don't deserve to be up on the stage. I don't deserve to have the family that I am. But by the mercies and grace of God, because he doesn't change, I have that blessing in my life. Amen? Same thing is true with you guys. Yet from the days of your father, you have gone away from my ordinances. It's not a law. It's an ordinance. What's an ordinance? When you move into a neighborhood, what do they expect of you? They expect that your weeds aren't going to turn into trees. You're going to take care. It's, it's, it's a basic way of living if you're going to live in this neighborhood. What God is saying, this is a basic way of living. It's a part of the foundation of how I want you to live. It's an ordinance, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. These guys were confused, and they said, but you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God, he responds, yet you have robbed me. Again, they're confused, and they say, but you say, in what way have, I, have, have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Now, let me explain this because people get very confused from time to time. God is not cursing you. Hear me say that. So many people will get, oh, God's cursed. No, God's not in the cursing business. He's in the blessing business, Okay. God's not cursing you. He's trying to clarify a decision that you and I make when we don't tithe. God's saying, I got a different system for you if don't submit to the world's economic system. There's a curse under the fall of this world. If you'll give me the opportunity, I can show you a different system. I can show you a biblical system that is different from the world's, and it puts my finances under this umbrella when we don't engage with that. He said, I want to keep you from the curse. There's a different way. For you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's the church. That there, and here's the reason why, that there may be food in my house. This is God's method to get his message out to the world. Okay, I need food in my house. Try me in this. Test me in this. Prove this to me now, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. Now watch what happens when we test the Lord, when we submit our money under his system, under his umbrella and covering. That there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in your field. He's protecting the worker and the fruit of that worker. Says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Did you notice how many times in Scripture it said this little thing of says the Lord of hosts? Five times he wanted to remind us, hey, this isn't man speaking. This isn't a preacher. This isn't a pastor. This is the Lord your God speaking. And can I remind you, I don't change. 
from this verse, I just want to make sure that we're very clear of what tithing does in our life. It gives us three things. The first thing that we see that it does is it removes the curse from our life. The moment that we get under this umbrella, the moment that, that I didn't make the rules, he wrote the rules, it's 10%. I don't know why he chose that number. It's what he did, okay? 10% unlock, removes the curse from my life. But he doesn't stop there because the next thing that that scripture says is that it rebukes the devourer. It rebukes Satan in our life. And the picture that I get is that there's this protection thing that he puts around us. It's almost like when the enemy tries to play in your life, God's up there going, Get off him. He's mine. Right? He's rebuking the devourer in our life. Then when he does all that, which you notice is nothing about money, then he says, and then he restores the blessing in our life. You see, tithing is a test. The number 10, when you see it in Scripture, is a test. And this doesn't just mean uh, around tithing, around giving, or around money. 10 is a number in Scripture that means Test. Let me give you a couple examples um, just, just to help you understand this. How many commandments do we have? Okay. How many plagues were there in Egypt when, when he tested Pharaoh in the Old Testament? Okay. You are getting it. This is, this is awesome. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions that you may not know the answer to, but I think you're seeing a pattern. Go with me. When Israel was in the wilderness, this is Numbers chapter 14, how many times were they tested? Okay, you're, you're on it today. The Passover lamb came on what day of the month? How many days was Daniel tested? How many versions are tested in Matthew chapter 25? How many talents were given as a test in the parable of the talents? How many days of testing are in Revelation chapter 2? How many disciples are there? Somebody was listening. There was a test. Gotcha. Let me end with this. I could give you a ton of different stories, but I want to end with a personal story uh, in my own life. Um, I want to take you back to the junior year of college. And that year, I don't know what got in my head, but I decided to take 22 hours, credit hours, and it wasn't like um, equestrian or, I don't know what's easy. I don't know. It just what came in my head. I don't know. It kind of sounds fun to ride horses. I don't know. Anyways, you get my picture. I, I was taking biomechanics, organic chemistry 2, physics 2, uh, anatomy, physiology, and calculus. So that's what, and the labs to go with it. At the same time, I t it wasn't a smart decision, but that, nonetheless, that was what I was doing, okay? So, now, I also had a deep desire to get out of college debt-free. See, I was the youngest of four boys, and I got to see multiple generations who were slave to the debt that college produced. And I saw the bondage that, that happened to that. And so I had this extreme goal. I want to get through college debt-free. It was a major prayer of mine. At, at this point in my life, I, I had seen parents who were committed to this. I had a good understanding of tithing. I was making money myself. I'd submitted to that. It was a very small amount, mind you, but yet I was operating in this whole process. Now, what happens when you have 22 semester hours is you don't have a lot of time to work. Now, at the time, I was working in the restaurant industry, and when you have to cut back your hours, what also gets cut back are good shifts. Like you get the worst of the worst 
Like, y'all know the worst day to work in a restaurant? You daggone. Sunday afternoon. You know why? A bunch of daggone church people. They're miserable and they're cheap. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. You want to actually? I'll tell you that this is something else I can thank you guys for because we do get because we have a lot of uh, uh, servers in 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 the church. And can I tell you they get excited when they see your face because they know what they're getting. But it, it is such an unfortunate thing to see how judgmental servers are because of what they experience on Sunday afternoon. It's unfortunate. So anyways, now I'm stuck with these shifts. So I'm, I'm dealing and I'm praying, Lord, can I please work at the bar? Please let my, my shift be at the bar because those people are a lot happier and they tip better. Okay? <laughs> so I remember trying to figure this whole thing out. Our founding pastor, Pastor Mike, who is my father-in-law, lived over in this house over here. And I remember having a conversation with him because I'm trying to figure this whole thing out. I'm honestly hoping that I missed something in the journey and he could point it out and go, oh, well, here you go. You're good to go. Now, what he told me confused the mess out of me. He says, Dave, and this is the end of the conversation. He says, Dave, you know, when I look back through my life and I see the seasons of life where I was in need or when I lacked, when I needed more, I gave more. And then he nonchalantly just walks to his bedroom as if I was supposed to get that. I'm like, this sucker didn't even hear what I just said. I don't have enough money, and he wants me to give more. Like, how does this make even sense right now, right? What he also didn't know was in the back of my head was if I can just stop tithing in this season, it'll make up the majority of the difference that I needed. Did you see this immediate slow? I'm not giving it up. I'm just pausing it for a moment. And I slide over to this, and I can't imagine what that semester, that year would have been like if I would have subjected myself to this economy, to the spirit of mammon, to what Satan had for my life. Now, after a few more conversations, I needed some help to understand this process. I decided to commit to it. And what we decided to do, what I decided to do, what I thought, felt like the Lord was speaking to me, is you actually need to double your giving. So I went up to 20% that, that whole semester. And I'm going to tell you right now, that thing that it says, what I told you about, that it, the purpose of it is to build faith inside of the hearts of his believers. Whoo, boy, that was some faith right there. I wasn't working much. And I was given more, so I was like, man, if this is going to happen, it's only going to be you, God, because it it, 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 I was good at math. It didn't add up, right? What happened next, y'all, I, I honestly can't describe. Like, it, it only was God. I worked the least amount of shifts in my entire time in that restaurant, least amount of hours, but I made the most amount of money I ever did in that restaurant. I would get $20, $30, $40 bills of a check, and their tip would be $100 weekend and week out. In fact, I had a guy come in, he would order a $12 salad, he did this multiple times, and his tip to me was $250. I can't explain it. I certainly couldn't explain it to my friends who were working with me, because what do you do at the end of a shift? No, you want to know what everybody else made. And I was kind of embarrassed a little bit. I didn't know what to do with it, and they would ask, like, hey, Dave, how much you make? I'm like, $450. What? I mean, $62. What in the world are you doing? And so it was a great time period. I actually had more influence in the restaurant industry in that season of my life than any other time period. In fact, the first instance that I ever had in the restaurant, I don't know how this girl knew me, but she walked right up to me. She goes, I know you believe in God. Don't ever talk to me about him. I was like, well, hi, my name's Dave. It's nice to meet you. So there was a lot of pushback there. 
But the Lord used that season like crazy. And so here it is. It's time to pay my bill. I go to the registrar's office. The, the lady asks for my uh, student ID. I give it to her, and I can tell she's looking on the screen. She turns the screen around and says, sir, you don't owe anything. I'm not one to press the issue too much. But curiosity was there. I was like, do you mind if I get like a printout? I mean, I knew I had a couple scholarships. I had life and there was two other ones. I mean, I lived in that office. I was trying to get every bit of money I could get, right? And she prints it off and she's like going through them. She's like, but there's this, I've never actually seen this scholarship. Again, I'm, I don't want things to change. So I'm like, I'll just take the print off and I'll, I'll, I'm good, thanks, you know? So I go to the library immediately because Google surely is going to know about this, Right? So I type it into the internet, and I cannot find nothing. She has never seen this scholarship. The internet has no trace of it. But, y'all, I got that scholarship for the rest of my time at College of Charleston. And it wasn't even, you know, give God some glory. That's all God. It ain't nothing about me. It's, it's a life under his umbrella. That's what that is. And, you know, God, you know, his economy is a little different. I like to say it like this. God doesn't know how to add or subtract, but he's really good at multiplying. Because he didn't just stop there. I actually had a surplus, having 22 hours, there was about $1,500 worth of books that I needed for that semester. Guess how much I got paid to go to college? $1,500. Covered that whole daggone thing. I mean, I was on cloud daggone nine. It was just, and when, when, I, when I tell you, and there were so many different things about that. It wasn't just about the money, but I could see how that curse stayed off of my life. Because what y'all don't know is the, the year prior, when I was taking just some of the more basic level courses, I put so much pressure on myself that I literally could not drive by um, I-26 off of, I off of Ashley Phosphate without going into a straight panic attack because of the amount of pressure that I put on myself that I had to have perfect scores for school. I was taking way harder classes, way more hours. The pressure should have been there for the anxiety to be on that, but that semester, I didn't experience one bit of anxiety. See, that, that, that curse that the enemy uses to have to wreak havoc in our life, God says, no, no, get off of my man right here. Get off of you. He's abiding by my principle. I'm removing that curse from your life. I, he, he rebuked the devourer in so many different ways, that, way more than just the paying of my college. I had to pay for my car as well, and that car never broke down. Now, I had to anoint the fire out of that thing with oil. But it treated me good and got me through college. But there's different things that I could give you of how I could physically see him rebuking the devourer. And he threw open the floodgates of heaven, just like that verse said, where I wouldn't even have enough to store it. And I can give you story after story. Would you guys stand to your feet, please? I hope by today you realize this wasn't about money. God doesn't need your money, but God does need your heart. He's scanning this entire globe, looking for people with the heart of true worship. And when we do, we're saying, God, I trust you with the 90%. It's going to go way further than the 100 Lord, I want your protection. Lord, Lord, I want you to rebuke the devourer in my life. I, I, I want you... 
to bless me to the point that I can't contain it because I have this open hand. God, if you could give me the unbelievable opportunity that because of how I steward my life, I could actually advance your kingdom in the different causes that you have, not only in this church, not only locally, but around this entire world. That's unbelievable. When we submit to his principles, that's what we're signing up for. Oh, and yeah, money's a byproduct. He'll take care of us because he doesn't mind what the economy is. His economy is always better than what this world's economy is. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this incredible time. Lord, I just, honestly, I'm so thankful for your word. Your word has so much great instruction inside of it. But Father, I just, I pray over this congregation that they would have the wisdom to put it into action. That it's not just words that they hear. They don't just understand it, but yet they apply it to their life and they see the fruit because your word says that you protect the fruit, that you protect the vine that the fruit comes from. And Father, they'll begin to see how you remove those curses in their life of this fallen world. No longer does it have the same power. No longer does it have the same influences in our life because that curse is now removed. Father, would you allow them the opportunity to see how you rebuke the devourer in their life in every different facet. Father, right now, I just break every just chain that is holding people back, no matter what it is, whether it's addiction, whether it's, I don't care what it is, but Father, you say in your word that you will rebuke the devourer and we receive it this morning. And Father, as we abide by this principle, you say to test you in it and you will flow open the, 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 the floodgates that our storehouse will not be able to contain it. And so Father, this morning, we receive it. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Lord bless you guys. Have a great weekend. Love you guys so much. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.